Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome to First Assembly of God. Those who are joining us online, welcome. We welcome you as well. We are in part two of a four-part message series entitled, I Am Jesus. Once again, not me, but Jesus is Jesus, just to get that straight. And next week on Easter Sunday, we'll be talking about his words, I am the resurrection and the life. Last week, we took a look at how he is the vine and we are the branches. The week after Easter, we're going to be talking about I am the good shepherd. But today, I am very excited for a passage of scripture that I have referenced before, but I don't ever recall preaching a whole sermon on. And for the past two weeks, I have been so encouraged from the study of God's word for new insights that I want to share into this statement, I am the light of the world. So would you stand for the reading of God's word from John chapter 8, verse 12. Listen to the words of Jesus. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. And then there is a promise that follows. What's that promise? Whoever follows me will never, come on somebody, will never walk in darkness. But will have the light of life. You may be seated. As I have always said to understand a passage of scripture, context is everything. Now this falls under eight, chapter 8 verse 12. And before this, starting with uh, the beginning of chapter 8, there's a story. And you'll see that in most Bibles it'll say, now this story is not included in earlier transcripts. And the story was probably added later um, so, you you got to remove the first twelve, the first eleven verses away to get the context. So you got to go back to chapter seven. Chapter seven starts with the brothers of Jesus saying, "Hey, the feast of tabernacles is is coming soon. Come on, let's go to Jerusalem." And Jesus had been ministering around Galilee, and Jesus says to his brothers, "Now nah, you go. You know, it, it, I know they're out to kill me." So I don't think it's best for me to go to Jerusalem at this time. And the brothers left, and Jesus went secretively to the Feast of Tabernacles. So the setting of this context is at the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, what is the Feast of Tabernacles? The Feast of Tabernacles was that God-ordained festival to commemorate the Israelites coming out of Egypt, where once a year, the Israelites went, the Jewish people went to Jerusalem, number one, to celebrate the harvest, but then for seven days, they made these tents, these booths, that they still make today. It's called Sukkoth. 
And at night, they go in and, and they'll eat that meal there, remembering the goodness of God, the faithfulness of God, how he brought them out of Egypt, out of slavery from Egypt. Now, remember how they were guided? Very important. A cloud of a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. It was a supernatural manifestation of God's presence, his care for his people, as well as his guidance. And I'll tell you what, if there's one thing we need today, we need the presence of God in fire for guidance today. So as you read on, in verse 37, on the last and the greatest day of the feast. So we're at the last day of the feast. Now it's important to know, and I found this fascinating, I never knew this before. During that festival at night, according to the Mishnah, the Mishnah is the Jewish, a collection of Jewish writings from uh, Jewish oral law uh, um, in the Mishnah in the Sukkah section 5-4 it talks about people dancing around lit torches during this festival the temple area was lit up and here's just one person's rendering of it with these, some say they were seven, these torches, there were four of them, they say, and they were 75 feet high. And every night they would light these torches to light up the temple area. Now, for us who have electric lighting up the darkness, no big deal because we have street lights. We go to the mall, the parking lot's all lit up. You come here at night, the parking lot's lit up, it's not a big deal. But for them, once a year to have the temple courts lit up, it was a huge ordeal. So at the end of this feast, we don't know the exact time. We know Jesus didn't hang around that area for a long time. But it's perceived, most scholars will say, that at the, the day after, when the temple courts were dark, when the torches were no longer lit, lit, Jesus gave this declaration. I am the light of the world. Think about this. I'm not just the light to the temple area. I'm not just light to Israel. But I am. The light of the world. And what was he doing? He was making a declaration that I am the promised one. I am the Messiah. Because all throughout scripture, Old Testament, there are prophetic words that the Messiah would be light to the Gentiles. Let me just give you a few. In Isaiah chapter 42, 6 through 7, I am the Lord. I, the Lord, have called you. In righteousness, I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you. I will make you to be a covenant for my people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to set captives free from prison, to release those from dungeon who sit in darkness. 
in Isaiah 49.6, I will also make you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. And remember when Jesus was born, and Mary and Joseph take him to the temple, and there was an old man by the name of Simeon who prayed to stay alive until he saw the Messiah. And as Mary and Joseph went to the temple, and Simeon held Jesus in his arms, he says, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant and priests. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in sight for all the people. A light of revelation for the Gentiles, for the glory of the people of Israel. When Jesus declared, I am the light of the world, he was making a declaration to all the people that he was Messiah. Now, obviously, this made the Pharisees very uncomfortable. And with this declaration, he also gives an invitation. Whoever, anybody that wants to, whoever, whosoever, everybody who follows me, whoever receives this invitation, whoever believes, whoever believes that I am the light of the world, it's, it's available to, it's, it's an invitation that still exists today in this world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And Jesus here is now addressing a problem we all face. The greatest problem today is not the war in Ukraine, per se. That's just a symptom of a problem. It's not natural disasters. It's not the pandemic. It's not cancer. It's not terrorism. All of these are symptoms of a reality that runs much much, much deeper. Now let me remind you, in 1 John, John says, God is light, in him there's no darkness. So let's not be blaming God. But we know that there is darkness in this world. We know that we are children of God, and the whole world is under the control of the evil one sin spiritual darkness deception corruption fills this whole earth come on you've heard someone say why does all the suffering why does all this suffering exist in the world why is there so much suffering in the world I'll tell you why there's so much suffering in the world 
because the whole world has not been reconciled to God. Why is there so much suffering? Because the whole world has not been reconciled to God. The world is still under the influence of an evil rebellion and his corrupting influence. So don't blame God for all the injustice. Don't blame tragedy. Don't blame God on the tragedies that fill this world. Blame rebellion against God. Blame darkness. Blame sin. Then someone says, well, why doesn't God do something about it? He is. What is God doing about all the suffering in this world? Well, first and foremost, he gave the joy of heaven, his only son, to pay the price of our redemption by dying on the cross. So he is doing something about all the suffering. He gave his son as a price of our redemption. And you know what else he's doing? He's redeeming you and he's redeemed me. To be his hands and to be his feet. To be his spokesperson. To bind up the brokenhearted. To set free those in captive. To speak the good news of Jesus Christ. He has saved us to be his representative to a lost and dying world. So he is doing something about it. What are you doing your part? Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. So there are people who are walking in darkness. And if you have received the light of Jesus Christ, you are part of the solution to all the suffering that exists today. He offered an opportunity of a lifetime to those Pharisees. You and I have received eternal life. What are you doing with it? Now the Pharisees upon hearing this invitation. I don't even know if they heard it. We know they didn't receive it. Here they are standing before the Lord of glory, the one who could change them, the one who could redeem them, the one who could take them from hell to heaven, the one who could offer them life everlasting and what do they do with this invitation they start to split hairs the Pharisees challenged him here you are appearing as your own witness your own testimony is not valid if you were really the Messiah, you would know the law. And the law says that you can't bear witness by yourself. You need at least a witness of two. In fact, nah, 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 nah. Didn't you even say, I, if I testify about myself, my testimony is not valid? Got you. 
And Jesus basically saying in his response, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't even know where I came from. And my testimony is true. It's valid because it's true. You don't even know where I come from. And secondly, in your law, in your own law, it is written that the testimony of two men is valid. So he tells them, I do know the law. And I am one who testifies for myself. And the other witness is the one who sent me. <laughs> my father. Who is always with me. So there is a testimony of two. Me and my father. And they're like, hmm. And instead of just believing, they have to take it one step further. Well, show us your witness. Show us your father. If if you say there's me and your father, well, show us. And Jesus basically says, if I show him, you wouldn't even recognize him. You do not know me. And you do not even know my father. Listen, there's a world out there who's lost and dying, and they're constantly trying to make excuses. They're trying to constantly justify, and man, we just need to pray. Remember when his brothers said, come on, let's, let's go to Jerusalem so you can do your miracles before the people? And Jesus says, nah, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. They're, I know there's a trap. They're out to kill me. So you guys go. And Jesus waits a couple of days, and then he secretly shows up. John, is. I, I found this fascinating in John's writing. What were they questioning? You need two witnesses. Well, I have. My father and me. <laughs> yeah, but show us. And John says this in his writing. He spoke these words while teaching in the temple area near the place where the offering was put. Yet, come on, no one seized him because his time had not yet come. What Jesus is basically saying, his father was right there and no one was going to land a hand on him because God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God has all things in control. We may not understand all his ways. We may not understand all his purposes, but there's one thing I know that I take comfort in. God is in control of all things. And no one could lay a hand on him. No one could seize him because his time had not yet come. Jesus makes an offer of grace that they flat out deny. And because of their denial, which wasn't God's choice, it was theirs choice. Second Peter 3 9 tells us that God's not willing that any should perish. That's his heart. His heart is he doesn't want to see anyone perish. 
So it wasn't God's choice. It was their denial. They chose to deny him as Messiah and not believe. And as a result, my last point, it's not an easy one. I call it a horrifying prediction. Jesus once more said to them, I'm going away. You will look for me. And you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. I can't, and I call it a horrifying prediction. Because honestly, I can't think of anything more horrifying than to hear God tell someone, you're going to die in your sin. So what do they do with this? Ah, Is Jesus trying to scare them? No, he's just telling them the truth. Listen, as far as I know, you can only die two ways. You can die in your sin or you can die in grace. You can either die in your sin or you can die in grace. And thank God. For the grace of Jesus Christ who forgives us of our sins. So what do they do? This is the part I found so fascinating. These pious, self-righteous Pharisees. They don't believe they're going to hell. They believe they're going to heaven. And when Jesus says, where I go, you cannot go, what do they do? They twist his words. Because we're going to heaven. Well, then we can't go where he's going. That means he must be going to hell. And this made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is that why he says, where I go, you cannot go? They started spreading this rumor. I guess he's going to kill himself. I guess he's going to commit suicide. And I guess that's why he's going to places we can't go. Come on. And Jesus says, enough. And he continued. You are from below. I am from above. You are from this world. I'm not of this world. Guys, you just don't understand what I'm saying. And I'll tell you what. We need to pray that the scales of blindness fall from the eyes of those who are unsaved. You're praying for someone who doesn't know Christ? Pray that their spiritual eyes would open. I told you that you would die in your sins. But then, here's the grace. 
if you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be. I'm still giving, come on, you still have an opportunity. You're going to die in your sins. If you do not believe that I am the one I claim to be, you will indeed die in your sins. All you got to do is believe. I'm the light. The light of the world. The light that was prophesied about for all Gentiles, for Jews, for the whole world. And then John gives one more zinger. He quotes these words of Jesus. When you have lifted up the Son of Man. Do you know what that means? When you have lifted up the Son of Man. That means when you nail me to the cross. When you nail me to the cross. When you lift me up and crucify me. Then you will know who I am. And that I do nothing on my own but speak just what the Father has taught me. And I thought about that. On the day that he was crucified and died for you and me, do you know God preached a sermon that day without even using words? On the day his son was crucified, Jesus preached a sermon without using words, and it went like this. We know that darkness covered the land from noon until three. It was so dark it could be felt. And when Jesus died, it says that the veil in the Holy of Holies that separated the Holy of Holies, it was torn in two from the top to the bottom, revealing the Holy of Holies. It talks about how the earth shook and rocks split. And the one we don't know a whole lot about, the one that we kind of forget about, is when he died. It says, godly men's graves were open, and they were resurrected to life, and they went into the holy city and appeared to people. Hello, somebody. Sometimes you don't need to speak in order to tell. And then the Roman soldiers who saw said, he must be the Son of God. He must be the Messiah. Jesus spoke a sermon that day without using words. When I am lifted up, you will know that I am But there are still people today who die in their sins. The tragic message is those who rejected Christ as their only hope of salvation, who died in their sin. But then on the other hand, you can either die in your sin or you can die 
making Jesus Christ your light, following him, never walking in darkness. Pastor Bonnie, you can come. I wept and I cried in my office when I kept meditating upon that little phrase, you will die in your sin. Do you know how many people are dying who are leaving this world dying in their sin, their sin of not receiving Jesus Christ as the light, as Messiah, as the Son of God, as their Savior. I wept and cried because I thought of the tragedy, the corruption, the injustice that exists in this world today because of those living in darkness, walking in darkness, those who haven't been reconciled to Christ. And it's so easy to say, God, why don't you do something about it? And God said, I did. I created you guys to be the light. And don't let it hide under a bushel. But let it be seen to all men everywhere. Would you bow your heads with me?